Thank you for joining us for another powerful message from the teaching ministry of Destiny Church. We hope that you'll be challenged and stretched to grow through today's message. But most of all, we hope that you'll encounter the Father's love. If you're in the greater Mobile Bay area, please join us for our weekend worship celebration. Or if you're looking for a church family excited for a revival, please come join us in bringing heaven to earth. Now, I don't know how it is in your house, but when I invite people to my house, it always seems like everybody ends up in the kitchen. Like you got this nice living room, you have patio, I've got this little thing in the backyard, you know, I spent a lot of time, uh, what are they, uh, pergola, uh, and nobody ever wants to go out there, nobody ever wants to spend time in the other rooms, they always gravitate towards the kitchen. Many times that can be the most hectic place in the house because it's like you're trying to put food out and get things ready, but everybody's, you know, in, in there, there's something about food When it comes to fellowship, there's something about food at community. Church folks, we love to have some food at different events. That's that's a beautiful part of fellowship. It's a beautiful part of community. And the table is really the centerpiece of community in the family, in the home. Um, In my house growing up, there were so many memories that I have at my uh, table Um, You know, I came from a very big family, and so there were at times nine of us, let me get it right, uh, eight of us, is that right? Yeah, eight of us at the table. And so we had a very large uh, dining room table. Um, I remember good things happening at the table, and I remember some really bad traumatic things happening at that table. I remember conversations that were great, and I remember some serious conversations that went down at that table uh, where we have to have a hard conversation. Um, I learned a lot of life lessons. I felt loved, and I felt unloved at that table. And in your home, I don't know how uh, your setting is with your uh, table is. It's a little different for Shay and me now uh, because our schedules are, 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 you know, we're like Two ships passing in the night sometimes. Um, when my children were young at, and at home, meal times were very important to us. Like we sat down at our table with our children. And I want to just, do, in this series, uh, maybe rekindle some stuff. And if you, are, uh, you have smaller kids or, or even teenagers that are at home, I get it, teenagers work and have, uh, they, they start becoming those pre-adults and they start having their own schedules. But when you are at home, I want to encourage you, especially if you have children, that make those meal times. Uh, meaningful and make them fun and and uh, like I remember that we were like this you cannot bring to the table or look at this at the table like you because we're not together I remember one of the things that we uh, learned from uh, a movie I can't even remember uh, the name of the movie now um but it's Bruce Willis, and it's where he's the fly, flyer. And uh, anyway, it's not important. But from that movie, we learned this little game, and it's like, uh, what's your high and what's your low? 
And so we incorporated that into our family time. And so we would be like, Noah, what's your high today? And what's your low? And he would say, my high today was I got to play on the playground with Jimmy or whatever, you know, that's their high. What was your low? I got in trouble for talking, you know, or, or something like that. And we would go around the table and all of us, myself and Shay included, we would give our highs and we would give our lows. And of course, uh, there were times I really couldn't give my low at the table. So I, you know, I'd, I'd give my next lowest or whatever, but I couldn't give my low at the table. Can I just take a second to teach you something? Because somebody in this room, I guarantee you, needs to hear this. Um, your kids don't need to know your every low. Some lows, they don't, because they aren't equipped to handle that heavy of a low. And your low does not need to become their low. So Shay and I, there were just things that we never talked about with our children. We just made a decision early on. We, saw, we learned from other people's mistake how they would talk about lows with their kids in the room and everything and how it affected their children. It affected their children's perception of other people. See, if you and I ever have a problem, don't think that my kid knows about it. If I, man, I'm, I'm over here on a little soapbox right now. I promise I'll get back to the message in a minute. But I remember somebody uh, uh, came up to me one day and they had said, you know, well, I, I, I know my children were friends with their children. And, and they said, you know, so, so we know that, you know, Noah or Savannah, whichever one it was, that, you know, that they probably know. So, you know, we, we went ahead and talked to them. And I said, please don't ever talk to my children about stuff like that. I love you. My children did not know that because that's between you and me. And my children adore you. Why would I want my children to not adore you? This is between the two of us, and it's nothing about them. You may talk to your children about that kind of stuff, and they can't receive from me. This has happened in this house. Hear me, church. This has happened in this house, that children cannot receive exhortation from the stage, from the whatever pulpit, from leaders because they've heard things that are low. And, and we've got to protect our kids. So, you know, that's a whole nother message. I should have left that for that week. But anyway, maybe Holy Spirit wanted it for here. So at a table, we, going back to that little game, we would have, what's your, what's your high today? What's your low? And my high, they would say, and dad, your, your high can't be right now at this table. And I would say to them, I'm sorry, but my high is my high. I get to choose my high. And my high is, this is it. This is it. And they would be like, choose another one, Dad. And so I'd you know, pull something out of the hat. There's a lot of great things that happen at the table. There's a lot of not so great things that happen at the table too. And some of those things that are not so great need to happen at the table. See, here's the deal. I was mentoring uh, some pastors this week, pastors that I have an apostolic uh, relationship with. And so they were sharing with me some things that are going on in their fellowship. And, uh, and I said, this should really be as simple as, I'm, I'm sorry, Miss Jackie, would you forgive me? Yes, Pastor Rife, I'll forgive you. I'm sorry, I just had a bad day or whatever, whatever it would be. It should be that simple. 
the end. But it's not. Because there are times when people don't want to have the low conversations. They don't want to have the hard conversations. They don't want to have the awkwardness that whatever uh, happened created. So now what do I do? Uh, Miss Jackie, you've been a great pastor to me or, you know, or a friend, and, uh, but we're not going to do life anymore because I don't want to have this conversation. Man, what? That is not the church. It's not love in the first place. Um, and we need to be able to have conversations that are just real and candid. But I'm telling you, I oversee a number of churches. And in that, I hear these stories and I'm like, I, I was in a meeting uh, with, at another church helping to try to resolve some uh, situation. And the, the person was just like, yeah, I'm not willing to work it out. I'm not even joking in making this up. They're like, I'm not willing. And I said, so you are going to throw away years of relationship with your pastor, with this church, and you've been the leader in, in a certain area. You're willing to do that. You're not willing to come and, and, and sit down and, and talk this through and give forgiveness. It's like, nope. And as we were speaking, he's getting up from the meeting. And I'm like, wow, walk away, walk away, because I'll walk away from this community. And that's not of God. And so there are a lot of lessons at the table that throughout this series, this series will run until about uh, the beginning of March. And there's a lot of lessons at the table that we're going to teach. And I pray that you would have ears to hear them, as Jesus would say. At the table that I grew up in, your table might, grow up, uh, might have been different growing up, but here are just a few thoughts about the table at my house. Dinner was at 6 p.m. You need to be at the table, not on your way, coming from down the street, at the table at 6 p.m. I would be playing down the street at my little buddy's house and I would hear Betty Jean come out of that uh, uh, kitchen and she would say, Raph! Dinner's almost ready. And I knew, buddy, I got to put my stuff together and I got to put my little matchbox cars up and I got to head to the house because at 6 o'clock, I was supposed to be washed up and at the table ready. Like at our dinner table, uh, everybody had place sittings. Did, I don't know if you had sittings, a, a, a place where this where my dad sat every time. So if you were looking at, at our table from the audience, you were looking at the table. Our table was oblong because there was eight of us. And my dad sat right here every time. Ne never sat anywhere else. I sat at his right hand, and I never even thought about that until the other day. I thought it was because, you know, I, I loved my dad. I wanted to be close to him. And I'm like, wow, I sat at the right hand of the father. There's something prophetic in that for us. But I always sat at the right hand of my dad. And then it was my other brother, brother my older brother, my older brother. I had two older brothers that were like uh, anywhere from 15 to 18 years older than me. So they moved out, uh, you know, 
as I got older. And uh, so, they, so then we only had, what, uh, six of us at the table. And then my sister and my mom and then uh, my little sister came along later in life and we just pulled a little high chair up in the corner for her. Everybody had those spaces every time. We didn't fight over the spaces. Everybody knew where their spaces were. Um, you, when you came to the table, you knew how to come dressed to the table. This is not to try to get legalistic in any way in church. I'm just talking about the table. There was a way that we came to the table. We knew how to prepare. You better have your hands washed. You, boy, you better go put a shirt on. You better, like, you know, in the summer, boys, we just go shirtless. And uh, you better not, you better, and God forbid you come pantsless, you know. Y'all know what I'm talking about with two little ones, man. They're running around in their undies. Like, no, when you come to the table, you, you better have some pants on. You better have a shirt on, all right? And, uh, yeah, no hats. Um, so, so, so there were things like this. Um, there was certain talk at the table that was appropriate and certain talk that wasn't. We didn't do potty talk at the table. We didn't, we didn't, we didn't do, and when I, you know what I mean when I say potty talk, right? Like, uh, oh, you know, nobody dare, if you ever, uh, any bodily functions at the table, like, oh my gosh. Like, and I didn't grow up in this really staunch, strict house, but the table was a very important place uh, for my family. Um, there were some meals that I loved and some meals that I didn't like. Anybody remember some meals that your mom fixed that you absolutely hated? You know what mine was? And I'm like, I'm like, why does she keep serving this slop in my head? <laughs> and I found out later, because we're poor. I didn't know that we were poor. Nobody told me that, you know? But I'm like, ooh, what, who would in their right mind eat wieners and sauerkraut as the entree, the main dish? That's, as a matter of fact, Noah, uh, Shay still likes sauerkraut on some things. I'm like, not me. I, I did my poor days. I'm finished with that, you know? And Noah would say, Mommy, Mommy, don't, I don't want any of that sour crap. Like that, you know how they, and I'm like, you said it exactly right. Don't even correct him on that. So there are things that I loved. My mom, man, oh gosh, I loved when she would um, fix fried chicken. I could be walking down our driveway and I could smell it from the house. And oh my gosh, it was the best day on the planet. But when she... Fix sour crap and uh, wieners, ugh, you know. And I finally asked her years later, and she said, son, I made that because that's the only thing we had. That's the, you know, sardines? What? What kid wants to eat sardines? But we would have sardines from time to time, and it's because we were poor. Um, potted meat, anybody have those? Potted meat and spam, Vienna sausages, like there are days I go buy me some good old Vienna sausages and potted meat because it's like, I just want that taste, you know, because we ate that when I was a kid. I remember a friend of mine, they had a set menu. Now we didn't have that. We weren't that organized at my house. I mean, I would always, hey mom, what's for, oh, y'all a bunch of Yankees. What's for 
Supper. And I would love to just come home and be like, hey, mom, what's for supper if she had not started it yet? And there were uh, some things like that I liked, didn't like, but my friend, they had a set menu, all right? I'd never heard of that. I'm like, that is so foreign. Like, your mom must be a school teacher or something. Like, she's like, I hate Mondays. Why do you hate Mondays? Because we're having meatloaf tonight. Really? How do you know? Well, we have meatloaf every Monday night. You have meatloaf every Monday night? Yes, and we have, we have tacos every Tuesday night, and Wednesdays we have roast and blah. You know, they had a set menu, and the next week they just started over. My mom was not like that. It was kind of like a surprise. Yay, we're having this tonight. Ugh, you know, we're having chitlins tonight. <laughs> Believe it or not, we had those. We ate the. Well, I didn't eat them. They ate them. Um, so there's going to be times in church, in ministry, that there will be meals served up that you really liked that. And there's going to be times that meals are going to be served up that it's like, mm, I didn't really like that that much. And it's not that you uh, necessarily didn't like the substance of it, but you, could, you might not like the delivery of it. You know, I grew up in a church uh, denomination where uh, up here, um, I'm not considered a real preacher because my method is not what those people like. Are you following me? It's, it's not about the meal. It's about the presentation of the meal. Like, my friend, you can serve. Uh, will y'all just give me some leeway on my language today to, to just use the word crap? I don't think we have a, a bunch of little ones in here. Uh, but you could serve the crappiest meal on the finest china with candelabras and everything, and it'd be amazing. But it still tastes like, you know, some old nasty meal. And, dude, you can serve me up an amazing meal on a paper plate. I'd rather have the best meal over the best setting any day of the week. And so when we come to the table, we want to make sure. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's nice to go to those nice little elegant restaurants where they don't put prices on the menu. But when you, when you are at those restaurants and they bring it out, I don't know if you know it or not. You probably have, have experienced this. They bring you out a $60 meal, and it looks like about a $6 piece of meat. And I'm like, where's the rest of it? You know, I'm mortgaging my house to pay for this, and this is all I get? You know, so when it comes to our meals, we need to make sure that what we're eating here in the house is something of substance. And there's always going to be somebody that can outshine you. They can out Martha Stewart you. They can out T.D. Jakes you. They can out uh, Jensen Franklin you. They can out, you know, uh, whoever. You fill in the blank. But at the end of the day, it's about the substance of the message. Am I getting the meat of the word? Am I getting the sustenance that I need? I heard somebody say one time, I was in a conversation with someone, and they were at a very low place spiritually. 
And so they were talking about some things, and I'm like, listen, bro, that's dangerous ground to be. Like, you're listening to people right now spiritually that they are out on a, like, weird limb. you got to be careful because I'm not sure theologically uh, they're going to do you justice. Uh, you're going to get out there, and, and you're going to get into some doctrinal error, which Scripture calls that doctrines of demons, A lot of our churches today are teaching doctrines of demons. And you got to be careful that what's being taught is going to be nutritious to your spiritual soul. And I understand we are at a place where people get mad. I have had so many people mad at me over the years because of certain stances that I that I stand on. These are hills to die on. These are, these are biblical teachings that we cannot let go. Yet in the culture of the Americas, North America, really all over the world, but in the United States, we are probably one of the last, hear me, last frontiers. I don't, I don't try to say this arrogantly, and if you're from another region of the world, please understand, I'm talking about the United States. We are one of the last places in the world that we have stood up for so long for biblical foundation, biblical truth, and we are on the verge. Wake up! We are on the verge of moral collapse. I mean, it is, it is imminent. It's not down the line somewhere. It is at the front door. On the brink of moral collapse. And that's because we've allowed doctrines of demons to be taught inside of our churches. That we've been lazy as a church. We've not taught our children. We've not stood up for our children. The other day, Pastor Wesley and I, I don't think he would mind me uh, sharing this. And I won't even go to the subject matter because there'll be somebody in the room that you will get ticked off. But he and I are sitting there with little Rowan, and, and he, he brings up something on, he's like, man, I had to turn one of their cartoons the other day. And he's like, I could not believe what it was showing. And he's like, so I go over there, and little Rowan, he's, he just begins to say, uh, yeah, and when this happens, this happens, and, and this is what they call that, this is what that's called, I think is sort of how he said it. And it's like, you, if, I, if I'm correct in my remembering, you were like, yeah, we haven't even had that conversation. And it's like his friend at school told him. All right, so he's being indoctrinated by the culture. I'm not saying he believes that. I'm just saying the culture, that's what's out there. And so doctrines of demons are being taught. And so here we are. Man, we are at a place where we better wake up. Like if we aren't already like to the point of High concern, high concern. Do you understand that the enemy has evangelized the next generation of revivalists better than the church has? I'll say it again. The enemy has evangelized the next generation of revivalists better than the church has. That's the truth. And so when we talk about the table, we talk about like, wow, We've got to feed on not culture, not what culture says is the right thing to do. What is our foundation? What is the source of it? And the source of it is really the word of God for all believers. And so it doesn't matter how I feel. 
It doesn't matter if I have a family member that is experiencing it. If it is against the word of God, I have to say to my very close family member, I love you and God's word says. I love you and God's word says. I love you, I will treat you with honor, respect, and dignity. And the word of God says. I will always take this, I'll take this over my wife. Why? Because my first love is Jesus, not Shay. She's my second love. And and I would expect her to say the same exact thing for me. I don't compromise my stand on the word because of my relationship with my wife, my relationship with my children, my relationship with anybody in this room. It's the word. It's always been the word. It will always be the word. And we've got to feast on something that is spiritually nutritious. I won't go into it deep today, but there is a time in... um, Second Kings, where uh, the, uh, there, there was a, a, an evil king. I can't remember his name right now, but he invades Samaria. Samaria is, is, is part of Israel. He invades Samaria, and he besieges that city. So besieges when you surround the city, and um, when you surround the city, you cut off all ties. So there's nothing going in, there's nothing coming out. They cut off the water supply, all aqueducts, they cut off the, the, the sewer system, so sewer is backing up. You know, you have no fresh water coming in, there's no fresh bread coming in, your supplies run out, and you begin to starve to death. And if you go there and you want to read it for yourself, in 2 Kings chapter 6, verses 24 through 29, it ju- I'm just highlighting this for you. It begins to talk about the famine. See, you and I don't know famine. I mean, even when I was eating uh, weenies and sauerkraut, I didn't know famine. Famine is when you have no food. Famine is when you have nothing. Going back to that situation, I didn't finish that thought, where I was talking to one of my friends, and they were, they were, so, they were at a low point in their life, and they were just spiritually starving is what they were doing. And so they, were, they began to feast on stuff, feed their spirit with things that are not spiritually sound. And I said to them, I said, hey, man, you need to watch out because you're getting over here in, in some you know, uncharted spiritual territory. And they're like, when you're hungry, you'll eat anything. That's the truth. But you also got to be hungry because you'll be the prodigal son eating at the slop bucket. God did not call us to be uh, uh, paupers. He called us to be well-fed, and he calls us to come and dine at his table. And so in this situation, there is a famine in the land that's going on. And so what they've resulted to when there's a famine, uh, like right now, they're, they're, they're talking about, wow, we're going to have a scarcity if some of these laws with the agriculture don't ease up and we're not going to have enough food to feed our country. There's going to be supply chain issues. Hey, church, come on now. Do you remember just a few months ago, what, last year or whatever, that there are, are, are all of these ships that cannot port at, uh, over on the, in the Pacific coast? And here we are, we can't buy certain items because there is a supply chain issue. Well, that 
That is, we can't buy a printer for our computer or we can't buy a certain hair product or whatever. But when it becomes flour and grain and meat and those kinds of things, we do not know famine in our land. In 2 Kings, there is a famine and the inflation has gotten so high. Hello? Anybody? I'm talking about in the Bible. But right now, come on over to the real world. Inflation is so high right now that we can't even get a few bags of groceries in plastic bags and it doesn't cost us $200. Like the inflation was so high that they had, uh, that the average person is now, they're eating donkeys. That would be the equivalent of us eating like a horse or maybe a dog for dinner. They were eating, not, it gets worse. They, it was so scarce that the average person could only afford the head of the jackass. Are you listening to me? They could only afford to purchase the head of the donkey. I don't know if you've ever been in a foreign meat market. I don't think we have those in, in the uh, United States. But I've been overseas and where I've been in the meat market and man, there's the, there's a head of an animal. And it's like, there would be people come up and I'm like, what do, what's the head there for? And they're like, they're carving meat off of that thing. I mean, between the scalp, the skull, and the skin on the outside, that's just a little bit of skin. And I mean, so they're selling off the head of the donkey for food. Not only that, they're selling dove's dung. Go read it for yourself. They're selling dove's dung, and there's a lot of, of uh, the Bible doesn't tell us what they used it for. So there's a lot of um, conjecture, there's a lot of debate among spiritual scholars as to whether people were actually eating the dove's dung or whether they were using that as like a, a fuel source to cook the, the meat from the uh, donkey's head. So this was very expensive, like it's so inflated. The time was so bad here. And if you look at this in a spiritual context, I believe there's some parallels that you can pull from it. Well, number one is like the, a, a, a donkey, we call it a jackass for a reason, because it's hard-headed. You know, that, so, like, don't be a, you, you see what I'm saying? It's like, you're hard-headed, you're stubborn. The donkey is one of the hard-headedest animals. You know, it bucks against its owner, and it won't comply, and you gotta force it to do some things. That mindset of stubbornness, like, man, when you get to a place of starvation, and you begin to feast on the spirit of stubbornness, the spirit of, you ain't the boss of me. Do we live in that time? Do we live in that time? You ain't the boss of me. You don't tell me what to do. I don't have to do this. I can do my own thing. I can be who I want to be. I can be a different person if I want to be. See, a jackass doesn't make any sense. One minute, one minute, it's doing what it's supposed to do, and the next minute, it's like, no rhyme or reason. I'm just going to sit down, and I'm not going to do it. That is the same culture that we live in, the same intellectual culture that we live in. We live in a culture that it's like, I'll just redefine who I am. But it's amazing because if you use that train of logic and you begin to challenge the culture on it, like, I can change my gender if I want to. Well, why can't you change your age? If you can biologically change your gender, 
Why can you not biologically, you should be, a, that, that principle should apply to other biological things. Why can I not be a, 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 a Hispanic person? Why? I feel like one. Because I'm not. I'm white. I'm porcelain, man. I'm as white as they get. And I will never be able to change that unless I go get a spray tan or go to the beach. But I am white. I'm always going to be white. I cannot biologically change that. But when you bring that up, why can't I be trans rich? I identify as a billionaire. You know? <laughs> Come on. Like, so... You know, when we, when, we, when we start listening to these things of reason, it sounds like somebody has been feasting on the, the uh, n- nutrition, lack thereof, of a jackass mentality. Something that doesn't make sense. And then the spiritual place that you can take, wow, they use dove's dung. Dove is Holy Spirit. And... When you see poop of any kind and the person, animal, or whomever that left that, it indicates that the animal's no longer there anymore. So dove's dung represents where Holy Spirit was. But there's still few, let's just say they were eating it, they're consuming things that Holy Spirit has already moved on from that. Let's just say they're not eating it and they're using it as, as a fuel source. They're fueling themselves on things that Holy Spirit already did. That he's moved on from that. That they're still trying to live in that moment. They're still trying to be at that space. And hear me, God has created us to move forward. God has created us to, to create paths He will create a path where there is no path. He will make a way where there is no way. He's created us to go forward, always to go forward. And so you look at that famine that they're going through. We do not live in a physical famine, but my church family, we are in a spiritual famine. We're in a spiritual famine. So what will we do? Will we purchase at the local market? Will we purchase what the donkey head is going to to feed us? Because I'm telling you, there are a lot of men of God that are serving up donkey meat every week. I know that sounds harsh. They're, They're serving up whatever the crowd wants. They're serving up whatever culture. is. So they're serving up. They're changing things. They're changing the scripture. The word of God says this, that the word in Deuteronomy, it says we cannot add to, nor can we take away from the word of God. I cannot change this to say something it doesn't say. So let me get back to the message, all right? Now I'm going to start preaching to y'all. Today, we're going to go into Hebrews chapter 5. And as we're talking about the table, Paul, I believe, wrote Hebrews. Uh, It doesn't specifically tell us that, and I don't want to get caught up on that. And if you don't think Paul wrote it, that's fine. But I'm going to refer to Hebrews as being written by Paul. 
So when Paul, when he writes to the Hebrews, he's writing to a church that he, he has uh, planted, fostered, apostled, mentored, and he's writing them, and he's writing them at a time where it's like, I really wish I could talk to you about some things I can't. Because you're not at a place where you can receive it. That's a terrible place, man, for leaders to be. I'd love to talk to you about this, but you're not at a place where you can receive it, so I can't. All right? And so in this, there are a few things I want to point out to you. Number one, the purpose of the table is to keep us alive and growing. That's the purpose. The base purpose of the kitchen table is so you can get fed. The reason you are getting fed is so that you can eat. My mom wasn't worried about making the best meal that she possibly could. She is worried about keeping eight kids sustained, alive. So the purpose of the table is to keep us alive and growing. The second thing I want to point out is this. Spiritual growth is a journey. In other words, like a continuum. It's not a destination. So nobody in this room is fully matured. He who began a good work in us will continue it to the day we see him face to face. Listen to me, my friend. The day that you are matured, you're dead physically. The day you are fully matured, you are on the other side of eternity. And so it's a continuum for us. Spiritual growth is a journey and it's not a destination. So every person in this room is going to be growing. And if we aren't growing spiritually, we're dying spiritually. This is super important. Like if we are not growing spiritually, we are dying spiritually. Somebody uh, said that uh, death begins at birth. Think about it. We begin to die the minute we're born. The minute we're born, we're on a continuum towards the end of our life. Now we got a lot of time, hopefully, before we get there. But if we aren't growing spiritually, we're dying spiritually. So I want to ask you, are you growing that's not, an answer, that's not a question to just answer flippantly. Like, are we growing? So let's look at Hebrews chapter 5. And we're going to read uh, verses um, 11 through 14. Hebrews chapter 5, verses 11 through 14. So what's happened in the first uh, 10 verses? Paul has started opening up a dialogue with them. He's wanting to teach them some things, but as he's beginning to teach them some things, he realizes, wow, they're not where I thought they were. They've not grown. And so in verse 11, it says, Paul's saying, there's so much more that, I would, that we would like to say about this, but it's difficult to explain. Stop. It's not difficult for him to explain. The subject matter is not over their heads, but it's difficult to explain because of where they are spiritually, all right? And so he says, especially since you are spiritually dull and don't seem to listen, all right? Dude, listen to this for a second. He says, you're spiritually dull. If we are ever in a time of spiritual dulling in our, in our nation and in our churches, it is now. We are at a place of spiritual dulling like, we've been in a place where we've been, ha- if, if y'all just bear with me for a moment, 
We've been in a place where we've been having high praise and high praise parties and uh, everything, you know, economy grade and all these things. And it's like, you know, man, everybody's getting their praise on, getting their praise on, getting their praise on, getting their praise on. And then for us to be, uh, what's the word I'm looking at, uh, looking for? Um, for us to be like, <gasps> When some of our spiritual leaders fall, our celebrity pastors fall, it's like, did you not see? Did we not see? Did we not see? Yes, we saw, but we are dull spiritually. So while all that's been happening, I'm telling you, we live in a world where you can't hide very much stuff. And I have said to our worship team, hey, we're going to be careful, like that person they're, they're headed down a wrong road. Really? I hadn't noticed. I hadn't heard. I haven't. And I'm like, well, they, they're posting stuff like this. They're posting stuff like this. Listen, listen to me. You ain't got to worry about me doing this because, first of all, I don't want you to see my pudge that my new little shirt hides. But how would you feel if after church today, you saw your pastor on social media, and I'm shirtless, posting a cell, picture of myself. <laughs> what? No. That's a warning sign. Do you, you understand? Pastor Rive, you're making a big, no, no, I'm not. Brothers and sisters, James tells us, brothers and sisters, let us not profess to all be teachers of the word because teachers of the word are held to a higher standard. Listen, it might be all right for you to do that. I'm not saying it is, but it's not all right for me to do that. So when we see our spiritual leaders acting in a certain way, I am also subject to that. We can't be surprised when something happens. He's like, you're dull you're spiritually dull. And then he begins to say, let me get back on track. Um, let me get there. You're spiritually dull and you don't seem to listen. So look, so not only are they uh, right now, they're dull. So there's this, yeah, I don't have the capacity. Like it's not there, but they're dull they're also rebellious. Uh, they're dull and they won't listen. Like the truth is there, but they won't listen. Like when your child, you tell them to do something and they don't. What is that called? Disobedience. He's like, he's, he's telling them, listen, you're dull. You don't seem to listen. Verse 12 You've been believers so long. In other words, listen, uh, I don't know if there are any new believers in the house in here today. I, some, some of the ones that come to my, our church, I don't see them here today. He's not talking about somebody who's just been saved a little while. He's talking to you, Butch. He's talking to you, Cheryl. He's talking to you, Alan. He's talking to you, Brandon. He's talking to you, Shay. He's talking to, to you, Josh. He's talking to people that you've, they've been in the faith so long. Like they've been in this. They're not novices in this. You've been in the faith so long. And then he continues to say um, that you ought to be teaching others. Like, so the word ought there is important because it implies that 
you have the ability. Like you, you, you are, are the capacity. Let me say it that way. You have the capacity to do it, but you don't have the ability to do it because you don't have the desire to do it. Let me say it again. You have the capacity. You could do it, but you don't have the ability. Like you, you haven't learned the lesson. You haven't been taught. You've been taught, but you didn't receive it. All right? And so he's saying, like, you ought to be teaching others, but instead, you need someone to teach you again the basic things about God's word. He says, you're like babies who need milk and cannot eat solid food. Now, there's nothing wrong with a baby eating, uh, drinking milk. That's their sustenance because a baby desires and wants and can't chew so milk is needed in the pulpit. There are times where milk is going to be served up and somebody in the congregation is, is going to get mad and be like, I didn't enjoy today's message because it was just not deep for me. Well, guess what? I got another slide on there. Uh, let me put this one up. Milk for one person will be meat to another. Like, it might be milk for you, but it's meat to somebody else, and vice versa. And here's another thing. Uh, spiritually healthy diets will always contain both milk and meat. Always. Like, listen, Jack, you don't know everything. I don't know everything. I was listening to something the other day, and I'm like, I've never heard that before. I went to the Word, and I began to study it out, and I'm like, wow, I didn't know that. Because I ain't an expert. I do not know everything in the word. And there are times that I'm going to have milk in my diet. And so he says that you are at a place where you need to go back. You need to learn some basic doctrines. You are like babes, babies that still are, are uh, in the infant stage. And you don't, in, in verse 13, for someone who lives on milk is still an infant and doesn't know how to do what is right. So like morally, uh, there's, there's, there's not an understanding. Listen, listen to me, church. What I mean by this, what Paul means by this is there are people within our churches today, they do not understand certain uh, contemporary issues in the church and why we take a certain stand and why we just don't love because aren't we love? Yes, we are love. I do love you, but I'm not gonna let my kid burn my house down. I'm like, if he's a pyromaniac and Noah, when he was little, he loved to set things on fire. And, and I'm like, you can't do that. You can't burn your little whatever toy at, just because you like to see it burn. And I'm telling you, Shay and I, we prayed over that because we're like, God, what's up with him? But I love you, but you cannot do that, son. You are going to hurt somebody. If not yourself, you could burn this house down and kill us all. All right? And so, as we're looking at this, and he's saying, listen, you are like babies. You don't, like, you got to go back to these doctrines. Somewhere we've missed some doctrines. And the world is like, well, I thought y'all were love. I thought y'all were love. Didn't, didn't Jesus preach love? Yes, he did. But every sinner that Jesus ever came in contact with, he always did a couple of things. One of the things was he held up the standard. This is the standard. You're forgiven. I love you. Now go and sin no more. In other words, change 
your lifestyle. Change those habits. Change that mindset. Uh, Get rid of that way of thinking because he does love you. But it all comes back to this standard of holiness. And so he says, you don't even know how to make decisions about right and wrong things because you don't have a foundation of why that's wrong. We live in an era where you cannot tell somebody they're wrong. Listen, I'm wrong at times. My wife is wrong at times. You're wrong at times. The church is wrong at times. The culture's wrong. We all are susceptible to being wrong. We always have to come back to what does the word say? Let me finish up these uh, few verses. For someone who lives on milk is still an infant, doesn't know how to do what is right and wrong. And verse 14 says, solid food is for those who are mature. Those who through training have the skill to recognize the difference between right and wrong. Solid food, the heavier, the weighty things of the word are for those who are mature. who Who are through training have the skill to recognize the difference between right and wrong. They have the uh, discernment of the Holy Spirit. They have wisdom to be able to recognize right and wrong. They have uh, the ability to look at culture and see like where we are offline. We have, listen, I'm telling you, it starts so simple. It starts so simple. And to many of us in the church world and in the public world, things look successful that are not successful and things that don't look successful are successful. It's the upside down kingdom is is where you gotta lose your life to gain it. The first will be last and the last will be first. Many times in the kingdom, things that look successful, I stood in one of the sanctuaries of the big, one of the biggest churches in Baldwin County and the pastor directly from his lips, I didn't hear it from a staff person, I know him personally and he said we do not allow the moving of the spirit in our services like that meaning we don't allow the gifts of the spirit to operate in the serve in our services like that and I'm like how do you stop it I'll tell you how you stop it you quench the spirit you quench the spirit I'm not here to gain a crowd I am here to raise up people into mature, well-fed disciples of God. God does not have to apologize to me on how he moves. God does not have to have my approval on how he moves. Listen to me, I've been in the faith for over 35 years and there are times in a service I am totally awkward in what to do next. There are things that happen in services that are dis, uh, that are, are uncomfortable for me at times and when that happens, I always look at that and go, are we in accordance to the word? If we're in the accordance of the word, it doesn't matter if I'm comfortable or if I'm not. God is preeminent. Number one in our church always will be, and as long as breath's in my lungs, he always will be. Number one. And so he's saying to these people, he's like, I birthed you in Christ. Christ birthed you into the kingdom, but I brought you to the knowledge of the gospel of salvation. Here we are, like I taught you the fundamentals, and now on the next trip that I come, we are supposed to come for session two, so to speak. But at session two, I realize, wow, you have regressed in your knowledge. You have now, you were, I had matured you to that point, 
And now I come back to build upon that point, but you've regressed. And I can't go on to lesson two because we got to go back and do lesson one over again because you've regressed. And so here are a few things that I want to share with you. Number one, there's seven ways to move from milk to meat. Melissa, would you come and play softly? There's seven ways to move from milk to meat. I'm not going to stay on these long. They're self-explanatory. Paul is talking to the church, and he's saying, we need to come to the table. We need to eat good food. We need to, we need to go through the process. All right, when Eating is made up of a number of steps. Number one, you taste it. I'm not sure I like that. Let me taste it. Mmm, that's pretty good. Taste of the Lord and see that he is good. I'm going to put it in my mouth. Now I'm going to chew it. All right? I'm chewing on this a little bit. There's been times that the word has been delivered up that I'm like, I don't know if I agree with that. But I'm going to chew on it a while. You ever heard your papa or your dad say that? I'm going to chew on it a while. That means I'm going to think on it a bit. I'm going to contemplate it. So we, so we taste it. We chew it. Then we swallow it. Once we swallow it, we digest it. It, it, it. it breaks down and goes into all of the different various organs. And then once we digest it, we use it. We convert that to calories, to energy that we can get up and go about our day or do, do different tasks. So there's a process, just like there's a process of eating nutritiously, there's also a process of moving spiritually from a place of milk to meat, from a place of uh, one level of maturity to another level of maturity. For the revivalists in the house that you like, uh, like that language, from glory to glory, you know? That's like, there's a process. There's a process. Can I just tell you, there are so many people that they want to go to the third heaven of glory. And, and brother, you, you don't, you, you miss, like you, you, you want to take a step like that. And it's like, no, it's precept upon precept upon precept. It's like step, step, step. It's like, no, you, you, can't, you can't miss some of those steps. They're foundational. And so when we talk about the milk of the word, there's a time in our life that every one of us needs the milk of the word, the simple things of the gospel. Always having something new placed in front of you. And then, and then the meat, which is the, the deeper things. And you have to understand, Paul, when he's talking to them, he's not chastising them in this, like putting them down. He's, he's saying to them, listen, you have a mission. I'm trying to raise you up for a mission. I'm trying to raise your families up. I'm trying to look out for the next generation. But you have regressed and you're not where you need to be. And Paul's still encouraging them, I need you to get to where you need to be. So there's seven ways to move from milk to meat. Number one, you hear the word. On any given Sunday, there are people that leave this building. As much as it might hurt my ego, there are people that live this, leave this building that you didn't hear a word. You didn't hear it. You heard it, but you didn't hear it. You heard words, but it's like Pastor Rife is, is the, the, the school teacher on Charlie Brown. Wah, 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 wah. Turning your wah, 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 wah. 
And it's like, dude, I'm telling you, there are people probably watching today. There are people in this room that you've not grown spiritually because you're not hearing the word. I'm telling you, it used to hurt my feelings until I realized, oh yeah, Jesus had that happen to him too. Like really, the son of God, the best teacher on the planet? Jesus wasn't the best preacher. Oh, I know I offended somebody religiously. In here. Jesus, wasn't the, Jesus wouldn't make it in our day. Listen to me, church. Jesus would not make it in our day because he was not the best preacher on the planet when he walked it. He is the master rabbi. He was the master teacher. He is an incredible teacher, but he wasn't the best preacher. Paul was probably a much better preacher And many of us folks would probably prefer Paul to Jesus any day because Jesus is just going to look at you, lovingly tell you the truth, and you can receive it or not, and he's going to walk away. Paul's going to be rip, snorting, fire, breathing, hell, fire, and brimstone, preaching like like we grew up with. You know what I'm saying? But Jesus said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Like I'm going to share some stuff today. Jesus is saying this. I'm going to share some stuff today that's going to be powerful stuff. You're going to have to contemplate it. You're going to have to let it sink in. And whoever has ears to hear, receive it. Whoever has ears to hear, hear it. Romans 10, 17 says that faith comes by hearing. And our hearing, hearing what? The word of God. So as we hear the word of God, thank you that everybody is here. Thank you that everybody's seeing this today online. And thank you to everybody who's going to hear this message at some point in the future. Because hearing the word begins to build your faith and move you from one level to another if we will hear it. All right, listen to that because we're going to get down to another part of hearing in just a second. The second thing is this, read the word. Pastor Rife, I just can't get into the word. Listen, I was there at one point. But you need to read a version that you understand, first of all. But read the word. 1 Timothy 4.13 says, Until I come, devote yourself to public reading of Scripture, to preaching and teaching. We should know the word of God. The third thing is this, study the word. Like, it's one thing to read it. But I tell people, don't just read the word. Be a student of the word. I would rather you study the book of Romans than to read the whole Bible through in one year. Why? Because anybody can just call words. In the educational world, we call that uh, reading comprehension, reading retention. You have a student to read something and say, now tell me what that means. They can't tell you what that means. Why? Because they were thinking about the playground, but their mouth was reading the words on the page. I don't want you to be thinking about the playground. I want you to read this and comprehend it so that the knowledge becomes not just knowledge, but understanding. So study the word. There are ways that you can study the word. 2 Timothy 2.15 says this, study so that you can present yourself to God and receive his approval. Being a good worker, one who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly explains the word of truth. There are so many people in my life that I've come across that they've been in church forever and they'll ask me some questions and I don't mind you asking me questions, but I'm like, you know what? We live in a day and age where everybody, if you will just go to the internet 
And while you're waiting on me to get you an answer, I'm telling you, there are some biblical resources online that we can give you that'll help you dig into the word and you begin to figure out, wow, like I don't know Greek. The little bit of Greek I know is because I look it up and I study those words out to see the meaning behind those words. The fourth thing is this, memorize the word. Like, listen, it is more important that you know the word so that you can declare the word instead of you going, oh my God, where is that? Is that in Isaiah, you know, uh, 61? Or is, is, is that in Hebrews chapter 15 where it doesn't matter? The first thing is, do you know the substance of the word? Well, God says that if I call on him, he will hear my prayer. So in the middle of things, when the enemy comes to tell you that God, he doesn't hear you. Yes, he does. Why? Because the word of God says, when I call on him in my time of need, that he will hear my prayer. I don't know where this scripture is, and I'm not making that up. I literally don't know where it is. But I do know the word says, and I can get this scripture reference later. But I need the substance right now. That my, that my word says that my God is a present help in my time of need. He is my comfort in a situation. Situation that I need comfort. He's my peace speaker. He's my comforter. Holy Spirit, right now, I'm not feeling very comforted. I need you to come in. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like when I memorize some of this word, that's when it comes in and it becomes life and sustenance and nutrition. I'm, I'm past the chewing and the tasting stage. I'm past the swallowing stage. I'm past the digestion stage. I'm now in the usage stage of the word of God coming forth from the message that I've memorized. And number five is this, meditate on it. Meditate on it. Listen to me, my friends. The time of spiritual life that this is the first time you've really thought about God today all week that's coming to an end for you if you will want, make the decision to grow spiritually like you'll be meditating on the Lord you'll be thinking about the Lord like I'm telling you where, uh, where do I even start Pastor Rife I don't even know where to start Pastor Rife can I just give you a very simple when you come here every week there's not a single week that goes by that you do not get meat just take that like just, when, when Shay and I go out to eat, hardly ever, well, I do, hardly ever does she eat her whole meal. She takes home leftovers. She's going to feast on that meal tomorrow. Take home some leftovers with you from this. Feast on this. Go read that passage again for yourself. Study it out for yourself. Ask some questions for yourself. Discuss it with your wife. Discuss it with somebody. Lead a group at your break time at work on that passage. Take some pictures of the screen. My God, every week that I preach to you, I provide for you enough resources that you don't even have to prepare that I've given you resources that you literally could go lead a devotion to some of your friends. Just take pictures of the screen. You've heard me explain it. Now go do what I did. Guess what that's called? Discipleship. Multiplication. All right? Two more things and we're going. Obey the word. James tells us in 22, verse, uh, chapter 1, 22 through 25, don't merely list, just listen to the word. Because when you listen to the word, you deceive yourselves when you just listen to it. Like if you don't have any plans of putting this into place, 
You deceive yourself into thinking, I'm more spiritual than I am. I'm more mature than I am. Or he's talking to that person in that row, not to me. He says, obey the word. Be doers of the word. This is huge for me in my life because I have sat through so many sermons growing up and I'm not making this up. I've sat through so many sermons growing up and I'm like, man, that was great. What did he preach on? I don't have the slightest idea. It was good though. It was really good. I mean, I love that part where he got out off the stage and, you know, started going, walking the backs of the benches and everything. That was really cool. What did he preach on? What did you take away from it? I don't know. But next time I preach, I'm going to walk all over those seats. You can guarantee that because I got the crowd going. Obeying the word. I started, this is what I started doing. I started being like, so what am I supposed to do? Like I heard a lot of stuff, but I don't know what the call to action was. Hardly ever do you leave this house that you don't have a call to action. Like literally there's two or three little ideas that you can put into practice. Number seven. Share the word. Share the word. Take the word. Share it. Share the good news. Share your story. You have a story that God worked in like no other person. And we're going to dive more into this. We did a little bit last year, but we're going to do more of this because every contact matters, guys. You were created for community. And every contact that you come in contact with is going to have a potential for you to make an impact. How do you make that impact? Well, God's given you influence there. And so you can use your story, your story, which is good news, your story of what God did for you to influence that person. All right, so here's how you can put this into practice. You see what I did there? Now what? What do you do? Because I'm finished and you're fixing to begin. One thing you could do is you could just start a Bible study. If you don't feel like starting one, attend a small group just begin going to a place where you can get deeper in the word number two purchase a bible translation that you can understand if you do not understand the word that you are reading then you need to get a milkier version my god if they can't read the king james pastor right listen you get that religious mess right on out the door just get that right on out the door right on out the door find you a translation and for me personally I've done a lot of study of scripture a lot of study of translations to me one of the best and most biblically accurate to the original documents that we have is the New Living Translation there are others but for easy understanding the New Living Translation is one and then the last thing is this commit to growing in the seven ways that I just shared with you. Commit to growing in the seven ways to grow spiritually. All right? I'm on, would you, uh, I'm going to back it up to that slide. Commit to growing in one of these seven ways because I know that we're at all different uh, places on the continuum. Pastor Rife, I hear the word. I really do hear the word and take it in. I read the word. I read the word. It's not a problem for me, Pastor Rife. I study the word. I study the word, Pastor Rife. You know, I I memorized it. I do all these things. I do all these things. I meditate on the word. I obey the word. Do you? I obey the word. Well, I'm offended. Well, then you're not obeying the word. If you're offended, have you gone to that person and worked it out? 
No. Then you're not obeying the word. I promise you, do, do you give? Do you give faithfully? Well, no, I'm still kind of working that through. Then you, you aren't obeying the word. The word is very clear. You know, I, can I, I can give you more. Like, do you pray more than just asking God for stuff? Then you're not obeying the word. There are other ways to pray. And we're not just, he's not just our big Santa Claus, big daddy God. Like, obeying the word. Are, are there areas of our world that we're not obeying? And then do you, how well do you share your faith? Do you even know how to share your faith? There's something on that list that every single one of us can grow in at least one, if not multiple areas. Commit some time to growing in this way. And I'm going to close us out and we're going to pray. And our prayer team will be down front if anybody wants to pray today. Uh, For those families that are going to stay with us for next steps, we're looking forward to doing lunch with you right after this. And so, Father, this is what I pray over our house. I pray that there would be this year such a hunger to grow, just like a really hunger to grow. Like where I am is not where I want to stay. I'm not where I want to be, but I'm not going to stay where I am. I'm going to make a commitment to grow. And I pray that the Lord would give you the, the, uh, the peace if you just need to take a baby step that you're okay with that. Because you saw somebody else take three steps like boom, 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 and they seem to be so far of you. I speak over you that there's no spirit of shame. There's no spirit of like, you know, well, you're, you're not as, as, as mature or you didn't grow as fast as they are. Hey, bro, listen to me. You grow at the rate that you can grow. But please grow. Please grow. God doesn't call all of us to become theologians or, you know, some incredible expert in the word of God. But God does intend for us to begin to draw close to him, just drawing close to him. And as we draw close to him, he'll draw close to us and we'll begin to to mature in our faith. Make a decision. Holy Spirit, I thank you for my church family today. I thank you for everybody that's listening online. I pray, Holy Spirit, that he who has ears to hear will hear the word of the Lord today and that, God, we would walk out of this place with a determined mindset that we are not going to stay where we are, but we are going to grow deeper and we will receive a greater glory and revelation of you as we draw close to you. So, Lord, we love you. In Jesus' name.